Today on Ag News Daily. When you look at the last two days, precipitous drop off ponds, you say, well, that's probably it for corn for now, unless some outside factors such as a soybean rally. Good afternoon, listeners. I am Ashton Carr on the podcast today, joined by Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing this afternoon? I am not too bad, Ashton. Did you have a good afternoon? Good, good afternoon. Good weekend. I did have a really good weekend. Um, last week, I was visiting my family back over in North Texas. And so I drove up yesterday and going through West Texas back up here to Lubbock, I saw lots of green in the fields over in the cotton fields, saw a lot of emergence. So I'm hoping those farmers are doing well. Yeah, I sure hope so. But it looks like some farmers got some reprieve from some hot and dry weather over the weekend. I know we had a little bit of rain in central Iowa, and I've seen on Twitter and Facebook some farmers suggesting that they've also seen the same. So this week is really make or break it, I think, for especially the U.S. corn crop. So we're going to talk about that and more with Ted Seifried coming up during today's Market Monday conversation. But Ashton, in the meantime, what news headlines are jumping out at you today? Well, we've been following along with CPAP, CPAP, CFAP, excuse me. I'm sure that people are getting a little bit tired with coronavirus news, but it's definitely something that we have to continue to pay close attention to. And I got a word through the news that farmers are going to be expecting the next round of CFAP dollars next month. So when farmers applied for relief payments through the coronavirus food assistance program, they were only guaranteed 80% of payment that they were eligible for. And according to Undersecretary Northey, farm production in for farm production and conservation, farmers can expect to receive the remaining 20% by the end of August. And Northey said that there should be enough money on hand to give farmers that remaining 20% of what they are due under the $16 billion CFAP, but they aren't exactly sure if they have enough dollars yet and they're awaiting um, from word from Congress on whether or not they are going to receive a new aid package. So expect that next 20% to come in by August 28th. Yeah, and I want to add just one quick piece to that as well, Ashton, because you're absolutely right about CFAP. It does appear that Congress is going to be discussing whether or not they're going to do kind of a CFAP 2.0, if you will. But they're also looking at an additional $14 billion that's available in the CCC account or the Commodity Credit Corporation account. And Secretary Norley is saying that perhaps that money could go to another round of CFAP payments as well. Um, So the next round here coming up in August is going to compensate farmers for losses that have occurred since mid-April. But like you say there, Ashton, we don't know for sure if there will be another one or not. Yeah, we're going to have to see where they get those dollars from if it is able to go through. But other than that, Delaney, what else are you watching? Well, the other thing going on in Congress this week, the other big thing going on, I should just make quick quick note of, is the next fiscal 2021 spending bill is aimed to be wrapped up this week by the House Appropriations Committee, which will then set it on to the floor. And they are, I think the full House returns about, from, about a week from now. So we should see that being taken up 
in the house floor on the house floor. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to be done anytime soon. You know how long budgets take. They'll probably have to pass a few extensions. They'll probably also wait to see how elections go. But uh, that's also kind of on the back burner right now as well. Definitely. And I kind of want to follow up on this next piece of news um, from what you reported, I guess, on Friday last week about President Trump not really being on good terms with the trade deal with China. But earlier today, White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow said that President Donald Trump is not in a good mood about China because of the coronavirus pandemic and some other issues, like you said last week, Delaney. But the country is still part of the first phase of its massive trade deal with China. Economic advisor Kudlow said, we are still engaging on the phase one trade deal. I think that's an important point. We are still engaging there, he said in an interview earlier today. So I just kind of wanted to follow up with that little bit on what he said about the trade deal with China. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big one that we're going to have to continue as what to continue to watch as well. And that's something else we'll be talking with Ted Seifert about here in just a little while since the corn markets and soybean markets were both under pretty heavy pressure trading on the day today. Overnight, they opened up significantly lower and finished lower on the day as well, but that's coming up here in just a little bit. In the meantime, I also have an update here on the dicamba story. We are seeing again this year, for the fifth summer in a row, a lot of agronomists, farmers, weed scientists, and state regulators are reporting off-target dicamba injury to crops and plants this year. Uh, we've seen some of the most widespread symptomology uh, as being reported in Iowa that they really have seen worse dicamba drift this year, um, especially with varying weather conditions. So we are going to continue to watch that story. We don't really know yet, you know, what's going to happen of all of it. Still watching the legal battle underway here, but it does seem that we've seen, again, some pretty volatile dicamba drift, which certainly doesn't help make the case that we should be allowed to continue using this tool. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm really interested in, in what's going on with dicamba, and I don't know exactly when all of this will settle down because I've seen so many headlines about it, but I do have one more piece of news before we get into the markets. Um, we've seen a lot of state fairs being canceled, some just being postponed. And in the state fair of Texas, they recently last week said that they were not going to hold the state fair, but they are trying, I think, to get to still do market shows. I'm not exactly sure on that, so I don't exactly want to quote anything or, or say anything, but the Missouri governor said that they are getting feedback to hold the state fair. And uh, it's pretty positive feedback from what I understand, but Governor Mike Parson says he's received positive feedback on the decision to hold the 2020 state fair. And he said, we got to fight the virus. The virus is still going to be out there. I say that all the time, but life's got to go on. And he also said that Missouri's youth have been working for several months on fair projects and deserve the opportunity to showcase their livestock. So I think that that'll be an important event to keep an eye out on and see exactly how they navigate the, the state fair and, and showing livestock with the pandemic still going on. So we're going to have to keep an eye out on whether or not they 
enforce social distancing, whether you've got to wear mm-hmm. masks to the state fair. So I think that that's a pretty important event that I'm going to have to keep an eye out on. Yeah, it's hard to say really how you enforce something, you know, mask wearing, social distance, distancing, etc. at such a large event like that one. Yeah, and I a couple of weeks ago I went to a small jackpot show and they just kept repeating over and over on on the intercom to continue to social distance and all that good stuff, but I mean, people just they weren't really paying attention, I guess. They were more concerned of getting back, I think, into a livestock show. And so I don't know exactly how they plan on trying to enforce those rules because the state fair is so much bigger than a small jackpot show. But I don't know, we're going to have to keep an eye out and see what their protocol is. We certainly will, Ashton. I think I am all out of news. I've hinted at it so far throughout the podcast. But what do you say? Should we take a look at where the commodity markets closed for today? Yeah, let's get into it. Well, taking a look at the grains across the screen today, really, honestly, opening up last night into this morning was pretty ugly, especially in the corn market. So they didn't quite close quite as uh, uncomfortably low as they traded earlier in the day. The July corn contract closed down just four and a half cents at 336, even while the December shed eight and a quarter cents to close at 336 and a half. In the soybean pits, big losses on the day with the July contract giving up 15 cents to close at 8.76 and a half. November new crop down 15 and a half cents to close at 8.75 and a quarter. In the wheat pits, the July contract shed seven and three quarter cents to close at 5.28, while the September down nine and a half cents to close at 5.24 and a half. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets. Live cattle was not supported on lower grain prices today with the August contract shedding 35 cents tickles at 99.65. The October down 37 and a half cents tickles at 104.20. In the feeder cattle pits, green on the screen for today with the August contract closing up $1.30 tickles at 137.05. The September up 75 cents tickles at 138.07 and a half. And in the lean hog pits, the July contract up 70 cents on the day to close at 46.67 and a half, while the August up $1.40 to close at 51.27 and a half. And taking a look over at the class three dairy futures, they were positive on the day with the July contract up 15 cents to close at 24.35, the August up 30 cents. Tickles at 23.34. Without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation with Ted Seifred to chat markets. Well, as promised for today's Hashtag Market Monday discussion, I've got with me Ted Seifred of the Zaner Ag Hedge Group. Ted, sorry we had to pick such a down day to chat markets today. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that happens, uh, Delaney. It's um, certainly been quite the shift in uh, market mentality here over the past few trade sessions. Yeah, no kidding. And I want to talk a little bit about that man mentality here in a second, but just kick us off here, Ted, with what happened in today's grains dumpster fire. Yeah, um, well, you know, I mean, we have to go back and look at what we did on Friday. Uh, you know, Thursday night into Friday morning, we had um, what we could call a drought-busting rain. 
you know, you had forecast models arguing over that rain, what, it would, what, what the coverage would be, would it break down that ridge, would the lower two-thirds of that system make it through, uh, and it did. And so, really, the GFS model was proven right. That's the model that had been cooler and wetter. Uh, that's the model that had been sort of winning out, you know, sort of all season. Um, but, you know, the argument was that, you know, the hot and dry would persist. And, well, when that happened uh, Friday morning, you know, we're kind of looking at it saying, wow, uh, we have a very significant change in the weather forecasts. We did just have as much, if not more rain than what most of us were expecting. Um so we could be down sharply here today on a Friday. However, we had a USDA report, so we didn't want to do too much in front of that. And then we did have some sales to China, uh, specifically in corn and wheat, uh, on Friday morning. That came as a bit of a surprise. So that kind of propped us up for a little bit. But then we had the report come out, and it was the report was solid. Um, you know, everything came out pretty close to the trade expectations. So nothing really terribly bullish or bearish there. Uh, I'd argue that the corn numbers longer term are, are actually fairly friendly. But without that shockingly bullish report, we went back to trading weather and realized that, oh, wow, the weather outlook that we're looking at on a Friday is much different than what we came into this week with. Uh, and so we started to fall apart on Friday. We broke some very key technical support levels in both corn and soybeans. So Sunday night into Monday, what we needed uh, in order to save ourselves from continuation of that was a big change in the forecast, which you did not get. Uh, so looking at the forecast now, yes, there is some above normal temperatures still in there for the 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day outlooks. But there's also above normal rains for the eastern, I'd say, two thirds of the growing area. So that is not nearly as threatening as what we had originally been thinking. And it's not nearly as threatening as what uh, we were trading when we were up over $9 November beans and three fifty December corn. So, you know, we had technical follow through selling to the downside here today. Uh, soybeans really kind of took the lead. Uh, they they did not take the lead on Friday, but they sort of took the lead here on Monday. Uh, we came right down to some very key moving average and trend line support in soybeans here with today's low. So we'll see if we get a turnaround Tuesday bounce here tomorrow. But uh, yeah, you know, Friday and uh, and today were really very nasty days in the corn and soybean markets. And it wasn't because of the report on Friday. It certainly wasn't because of the Chinese buying. It's simply because we've had a dramatic shift in the weather forecast, um, or at the very least, our mentality of how we're reading the weather, weather forecast has shifted because we're paying a lot more attention to the GFS, which the whole way has really kind of been, well, right, but also the cooler and wetter of the options. And I want to talk about that mentality a little bit more because I've talked to some farmers in person and on Twitter that are now in panic mode thinking, should I have sold more bushels? I, I've talked to some farmers that haven't sold any bushels of new crop corn now in panic mode. Did we squander any chance now of some sort of weather related rally? Was that it for the corn market? Well, you know, when you're trading a weather market, you never really know. So, you know, uh, when, when the market's excited and we're you know, running up, everybody thinks, well, you know, are we going to four seven? Are we going to you know three seventy five? Are we going to four dollars? Are we going to four and a quarter? Nobody ever thinks, oh, this can change uh, on a dime, and then it does. It almost always does, right? And, and then and then we we see panic. Uh, it comes from producers, uh, it comes from you know speculators. It comes from a lot of different areas. But you look at the board, and when you have soybeans down almost twenty cents, that is a reflection of that panic. So. Um, yeah, there was selling happening today. 
whether it was long liquidation from funds or whether it was producer selling. I mean, there was a lot of all of that going on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say, and I, I really don't want to kick anybody when they're down, but you know, every year we do this. Every year we we get some sort of reason to rally in the in in June and July, and then more often than not, nine times out of ten, it feels like we turn around and we head lower and we make new lows, and then everybody complains about how they missed it or we didn't rally far enough to really satisfy the the, the, the wants or needs of where we wanted to sell. Um, but that really just solidifies the idea that, hey, you got to go into every year, every growing season with a plan and have layered sales. And when we were calling for a 3.6 billion bushel carryover in corn, you had to be fairly pessimistic about the levels that you would be hitting. Now, yes, we get excited in weather markets and we start thinking, oh boy, you know, hey, this could go at, at least to 375 and so on and so forth. And you have a tendency to want to pull those orders or not pull the trigger on making some sales in places that you thought you should or had originally said you would. But yeah, to have, to have nothing sold um, by the 13th of July, uh, in my book, is, is fairly irresponsible. So I don't know. Um, as far as what happens going forward, you know, look, these markets are only as good as the weather forecast. If that forecast changes and goes hot and dry again, maybe we'll have another shot at it. I honestly think that with the amount of time that we have before we really know if we'll have a soybean crop or not, that something likely could happen to get us excited about the soybeans again and get us back near those highs, if not make new highs or make new highs by a lot, depending on what it is that gets us excited. Um, so I, I think for soybeans, we'll have another shot at it. Uh, I'm optimistic about that. I'm hopeful for that. Uh, for corn, you know, um, wow, we, we really are going to have to have something to reinvigorate that bullish sentiment uh, to get us going, which it, it could be the soybean market. Um, but as far as weather for corn, it's usually we're done with the weather market for corn at this point. You know, so when you look at the last two days, precipitous drop off of highs, you say, well, that's probably it for corn for now, unless some outside factors such as a soybean rally, or we really do get very hot and dry throughout the month of August, which will save some yield off of corn, but not a, not be a, a, a crippling factor like it would mm -hmm. be for soybeans. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, for corn, you, you got to feel like that might have been it. Does Chinese purchasing have you at all excited about changing the demand scene, Ted? Well, you know, I mean, China, there's a lot of debate about why China bought corn. Um, but really, I mean, if you look at the Southeast uh, China, they're having, you know, record flooding. Um, you know, it's, this is an event. And so while there's not a ton of corn or oil seeds grown, it's mostly rapeseed and not, not uh, soybeans in that area. And that's about 20% of their corn crop. Um, you can say, well, China might have a need to buy more corn. Um, so we'll see. But the, the market just doesn't want to believe in China purchases for the sake of, of fulfilling phase one trade deal. And every day, uh, it, it seems like, well, you know, this is part of what happened on Friday. It came right after the report where you have, you know, reporters asking Trump about a phase two trade deal and him saying that's not something he's thinking about right now. And the market takes that very poorly. Um, here today, you've got, you know, talk of, uh, of China <clears throat> looking to detain some U.S. officials over in China in response to our uh, talking tougher on, on, on uh, issues in, in the South China Sea. Um, so tensions are escalating. You know, China is militarizing. Um, there's a lot of reasons to be worried about trade with China. 
Uh, and really, there hasn't ever really hasn't ever not been reasons to worry about trade with China, but specifically in the last couple of years. So I don't know. Um, was that because they needed corn and was that a one off thing or is this because they're making a push to fulfill phase one? Time will tell. There's no way of saying one way or the other at this point. Uh, and I don't think the market's looking at that as, as, as being a sign of things to come. I think the market's looking at that as just a one-off. We're going to need two, three, four of these types of things to really get on board with the idea that, hey, China is buying and they're going to continue to buy. Um, so for now, hey, it's nice to see. It, it's a total of about 75 million bushels of corn demand, which, by the way, we really need that in order to get anywhere near the current new crop ex uh, expectations for corn exports. So does it change anything? No. If it continues to happen, yeah, it has the potential to possibly change things. But it's too early and the market's not willing to buy into that idea quite yet. All right. Well, Ted, what about when you take a look at the wheat markets for today? They were doing a nice little job there keeping pace. And then they also didn't have a very positive day on the day today. Well, yeah. I mean, when you have soybeans down almost 20 cents, corn down roughly 10 at one point, I mean, it's really difficult to continue on uh, with strength in wheat. And it's been, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of last week, we saw December Chicago wheat go from basically $5 to 545 It was a really impressive three-day rally in wheat. Uh, we ran into some very key technical resistance areas. Uh, in particular, you know, we've been in this downward trending channel since basically the middle of January. Uh, we ran right into that, couldn't get above it. We pulled back. Uh, and so technically speaking, we have reason to take a pause here in wheat. Whether we make new highs in wheat or not, I think depends on what happens with estimates as far as the rest of the world's production. I mean, we've gotten, uh, we, we figured out that there's issues with, with Russia. And, and so that's been kind of factored in the market. That was a big reason for the push last week. But I think we're going to need more than that to get up and over those highs. And it doesn't look like we're getting any help from the row crops. Um, so I worry that wheat may have just seen its high for now and that we could be coming back down to maybe test lows or make new ones. So I think that if I'm sitting on wheat that I have not priced yet, I'm looking at ways to do that. And if at some point I feel like I need to reopen the, up the upside, I know that I have the tools to do that as well. I'm not sure I would be doing that right away. But I do think I would be looking for ways to market some wheat here. Ted, taking a look at the cattle complex on the day, we saw live cattle down on the day, but then feeder cattle's had, you know, pretty significant strength here. I want to talk feeder cattle specifically. How much wind do they have left in this, in this sale? <clears throat> That's a great question, Delaney. Uh, I'll start by saying this. Anytime you have corn down roughly 10 cents, it's uh, extremely rare to have a feeder cattle market that's down unless it's a, a geopolitical dropping bombs on something type event. Uh, but if it's, uh, if corn's 10 cents lower on the weather market, we, we, we're pretty sure we're going to have feeder cattle. We darn well should have feeder cattle higher that day. So uh, yeah, it was a good day for feeder cattle. Uh, you know, it was good close. You know, you look at the November contract uh, closing at a new recent high. Uh, I think there's more upside potential there. You know, if I, if I look at August feeder cattle, um, minimally, I think we'll go back to those highs that we have in May uh, up near the 140 level, which, by the way, is also our 200-day moving average. But I think the real strength might come further out in time. You're already, you're already seeing uh, the deferred months with more strength. At this point, that's where I would 
kind of choose to focus uh, my my bullishness or my optimism. Uh, but yeah, the feeder ch- feeder cattle chart looks good. If corn continues to fall under pressure, we'll have more reason to to add value to feeder cattle. But you can see that the live cattle were really very reluctant to follow along with that, um, and, and that might be just sort of a problem of yeah, we've got a lot of animals up front. Um, you know, we were building in a bit of a weather premium because of the hot and dry conditions. Well, it doesn't look quite as as dry anymore, so we should be able to hold on to weight a little bit better, um, not get so sloppy. Uh, or uh, uh, sorry, um, it doesn't look like it, the weather's or the rains are going to be terrible and sloppy conditions either. So, yeah, um, can we see cash cattle advance higher or not? Uh, and again, when I look out longer term, I think I'm I'm I think yes, I, I'm rather optimistic about that. Does it happen in the near term? Yeah, I don't know. You know, and, and you can see the live cattle's reluctance to really want to push higher, uh, even though um, about seven days ago, we started to try to break out to the upside, but we just haven't been able to see any follow through from that. And that's been disappointing. And it is a bit of a concern on the chart. Well, Ted, we certainly appreciate you chatting markets. Before I let you go, let folks know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. I mean, you can always reach me directly by uh, giving me a call on the phone at 312-277-0113. Aside from that, you can find it on, find us at the, on the web at www.zaner. That's Z-A-N-E-R.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I am at the, tre- the Ted Spread, if that's your sort of thing. Uh, I like to talk about hot dogs and the fact that they are sandwiches. Uh, and sometimes I like to wear a corn hat and uh, try to feature that as often as possible. Awesome. Well, Ted, thank you so much for ta- chatting markets today. Hey, no problem, guys. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll talk again real soon. Well, again, you can find Ted if you're not already following him on Twitter, which I'm guessing most of you guys are, but he is at the Ted Spread on Twitter. And if you're not following Ag News Daily on Twitter, you certainly should be at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.